and welcome to Frog Flicks, your costume movie historical podcast thingamajig. And I'm Tristan Obass, your host, and I'm here with our original Broadway recording cast of Kendra, Sarah, and today we're talking about Belle from 2013. 2013. Who would like to give us a little background um, on the movie? Let's um, defer to Kendra. Who knows information? Uh, Just a summary okay. of the, the movie and the costume designer and oh, shit like that. Someone look up the costume designer quick. Um, the movie tells the story of Dido Elizabeth Bell, a real historical person um, who is of mixed race ancestry. Her mother was uh, an African slave whom her father met in the Caribbean. And then dad was like a second son or something of a well-to-do British family. Um, And dad brought her back to England at a young age. And I should say this is happening in the 18th century. Uh, About 1765, she came back to England. And then she grew up with her great uncle because dad had to go off and do uh, manly things on ships. Yeah. So the movie is primarily when she's old. And basically tells both sort of a romantic tale of her figuring out who she wants to love and marry. Definitely it's about negotiating racial, ethnic roles and that sort of thing. And then they intertwine it with a court case that was about a ship called the Zong. Um, and Zong. Yes, we enjoyed the word Zong. Um, there will be Zong jokes. Because we're like six. Yes, we are. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and in the, the court case basically was about uh, a slave ship had packed in the slaves too tightly. They got diseased and the slavers threw the Africans overboard, chained together and drowned them and then made an insurance claim, which the then insurers didn't want to pay because they were saying. So it was a question of whether or not the slaves were purposefully drowned. And Dido's great uncle has to... Uh, he's the Lord Chief Justice of England, and he has to decide on the case. So the movie was directed. Let's give it a little background: the director and some of the main actors all right. and so costume designer. So director that stuff. is. Let's bring this up. Hi, we're super prepared here. Um, this was directed by Ama Asante. We're just so excited about this movie that we had to jump right in. Before. Well, we should say she's only directed yeah, two we're... films. Oh, she only. Okay. Bell and a film called A Way of Life in 2004. Oh, she actually, I think she's more known as an actress. Um, she has seven credits to her name as an actress. But, uh, yes, so she's kind of a new kid on the block in terms of the directing. Uh, also, the costumer who did this hasn't had a lot of major costume movies or major movies that they've they've worked on, but they have had a few. The one that I immediately recognized was Circle of Friends, which was from 1995. Oh, I love that I movie. Know, I am. Is, I am is. the lead character from so, Circle of Friends. Uh, yes, with more are. With more snark. Yes, you are. She, okay, so if you've never seen Circle of Friends, you got to watch it or read the book. 1950s know, Ireland, uh, a girl... Many drivers, like, Many driver out role. <laughs> finding herself. The name of the designer. Yeah, and the name of the designer is Anusia Niradzik, or Niradzik. Um, she is, like I said, she's done only most, the biggest film I think that she's worked on in recent memory has been Belle. And then one she did, and then uh, Madame Bovary in oh, 2000, yes. the TV version of uh, Madame Bovary. 
And then Circle of Friends in 95, Middlemarch, yes. the TV miniseries I Middlemarch. I love that Middlemarch uh-huh. as a George Eliot fan. So, so somebody, oh, she also did a Doctor Who. She yep. did 10 episodes of Doctor Who between 1984 and 1989 for Sweet. those Whovians out there who are excited about that kind of thing. Point is, uh, she's kind of a, uh, flies under the radar, I think. Yeah. She does a lot of TV series. Uh, not a big name, series. but, you know, she's, she's, been, around a she's been around for a while. Yeah. So, and I think her designs are pretty competent, and we'll yeah. get into that, of course, as Definitely. we go along. And yeah. and we should also back up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this uh, particular podcast is brought to you by you, our fans. You, uh, the listener. We uh, put a call out on our Facebook page to vote on what um, movie we should podcast today. We put out four movies: The Duchess, Belle, A Royal Affair, and Orlando. Orlando. And um, you voted for Belle. Um, we also had a lot of votes for the Duchess and Orlando. Not as many for a royal affair. That's all right. Um, so we'll definitely get to, to most of these or probably all of these at some point. It was just a matter of what to do today. Yes. Uh, and we'll probably get to Orlando soon because Sarah really wants I us really to. really want but to. But we got to do Wolf Hall first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we only have so much time. So right. we just wanted to prioritize, and we appreciate your input. We really do. But for we, all you Orlando lovers out there, it's coming. Don't, don't worry. Don't it worry. will happen. Don't worry. Sarah I, will force me to I, sit through the art. And I will, because I dug out my grad school papers See, on Tristan Orlando. See, Tristan actually has, like, an intellectual investment in Orlando. I just think it's pretty. And, yeah. Tr- and Kendra's like, I watched it 20 years ago and could have died from boredom. Yeah. No, not so. died! <laughs> we'll get to Orlando. We all right, podcast. but that's so, Orlando. So back to Belle. So since we um, did watch this just now, um, so we've got the, the summary, we've got the uh, you know basics of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's obviously the big issue with Belle is that it's um, you know it, it's highly fictionalized. It, well, two things actually. It's two things. <laughs> oh, sorry. Two things. So I was gonna I was gonna say it's 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 ba- quote based on a true story, loosely based. Right. Yeah. And, always be suspicious whenever a movie starts out with based on a true story. It's usually like ninety five percent bullshit. It, oh, I yeah. say I like that it always makes me go. Oh, I'll go look that up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. At least head to Wikipedia because you'll you'll start really realizing. Oh, so that's really what happened. Um, so it is loosely based on a true story, but the real issue with this and why it's kind of interesting, certainly to a modern audience, is that it's showing um, Africans uh, and African character in English 18th century society. Well, let's be let's be say she's not actually African. Well, she's she's, she's mixed race. She's mixed, mixed race, race. Uh, but you know, to yeah. to the to the English, she's actually from the, the Caribbean originally. Right. But to the English <laughs> eyes. She was. She African, is yes. African. She's dark skinned. Mm-hmm. There's no pussyfooting around it. Well, and you know, I think we should a, just she's say she's a black woman. We should just use the term "black" is for no other reason because in That's in England that is the term. Yeah, that they would have called her Negro. They would call her black. Well, no, I mean nowadays the term well, used in, is in black. The movie, because, in the movie, she called okay. herself Negro. But I mean, currently yeah. in England, the term used is black right. because you're not African American if no. you're Afro English. No. So, right. and this is the hilarious part: we are all three of us white chicks, and Jones. we realize that we are watching this movie from a place of not necessarily understanding the context as, you know, someone of a person, like a person of color would actually experience this film. So what we're coming at it from is a little bit like on the intellectual side of things. But what we want is to make sure to that you guys know you're welcome to comment. If you're a person of color, you're listening to this and you want to talk to us about your perspective of this film. 
as a person of color, please, please comment on the blog when we put this post up. And on Facebook. And, and on, on Facebook, Twitter. on Twitter, all of the areas that we're on, we welcome your comments, we welcome your perspectives, because honestly, there are things that we honestly cannot authentically experience yeah. um, living the lives that we've, we've lived and the skin color that we've lived them in. So yeah, we're trying to, trying to not delve so deeply into the... Um, I guess into the ethics or the experiences. Well, um, we might. We'll probably end up talking about well, them because they're interesting, bad, no matter what. But, <laughs> but I think I, we just want to fully yeah. acknowledge our honkiness, and <laughs> and we are not trying to speak for anyone. So and we are re-embracing the word honky. Apparently, yeah. apparently. That's not what we're doing. I've got. Okay. I'm not honky. By the way, I, I've got a quarter lot non honkiness. So got, what is your quarter? My quarter is is chinkness. Um, <laughs> thank you. As I, we've I, just undermined all of the arguments that we've just made. Thank you very much. Yes. Point is, um, point is but, that but we, point we've is, all we all come from a, we all come from a liberal arts background. We've yes. all sat in you know the racial we've totally discussion classes yeah. of you know I went to we Berkeley. come from a position of power. And, I and I think that we're we're interested in this mm. because in. I'm interested on two level two levels. One is the fact that this film shows that there were people of color historically. When mm -hmm. I think that most, at least costume movies, if yes. not historical movies, mm -hmm. whitewash that out. Totally, um, oh, history and, books whitewash absolutely, the fuck out. especially costume. <laughs> can movies. I can I can do a quick shout yeah, out so, before you move on to your your second thought? Yes. Hold that thought. I want to actually shout out to um, the people of color in art um tumblr oh yeah that tumblr uh oh. it's hysterical we'll put the link up yeah. it's basically the tagline is because you wouldn't want to be historically inaccurate and it's basically just a collection of of um art from across time and place and history oh. showing people of color interacting and being a part of what we would consider European history. Well, I want to hold on to that because that's going to come in when we talk about the movie as well. So Kendra... Medieval go, people of color, go, that's okay. what it's called. My other thought is I would be interested to hear what um, people of color who are interested in history or costume or whatever, how it feels for you to see yourself represented in this genre. Definitely. So that would be the other piece. Definitely. Yeah. And so if we'll, I'm going to use this Sarah segue because... Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that Belle, the character in this movie, does, or Dido, really, I mean, Dido, she has a long name, so her Dido first Elizabeth name, Bell, right, may, Lindsay. Yes. We're going to refer to her as both. Yes. Um, in the movie, she's referred to more as Dido than Belle. But the title is Belle, just the to title confuse is Belle, just yeah. Exactly, so... Because anyway. apparently audiences could not know that Dido historically references right. the first queen of Carthage. It's, it's too complicated. It's complicated. Thank um, you. But she, the, from the very first, when she arrives at her um, great uncle's house um she sees art you know huge paintings um of the period uh depicting black people as these subservient, you know, subservient iconic um, exotic figures in relationship to her ancestors really her mm -hmm. Her father's, her father even, or her father's figures. It's it's not exactly clear who they but are. It but it seems like it might be family. Uh, yeah, family. Yeah, family yeah. portraits that have a little black boy or a little black girl with a turban. With a tur and, yeah. yeah. And as you see, and if you've if you've looked at any period art, 18th century, 16th century, 19th, you know, basically the entire history of Western art, there is a very strong tradition of the exoticized. African other other right. <laughs> who, who, is used, who is used to make the mm -hmm. the central white person look more interesting and cultured and yeah. all of that powerful. And, and so powerful, th throughout yeah. her life at um, this uh, you know mansion, I forget, where is it? Kenwood. It's, Kenwood. Um, Ken she looks Wood. at these portraits and and compares herself to them. 
Um, so it really the hist- you know, art history is is part of this this her growing up. Mm-hmm. And I like the way the film did that. Speaking as the art historian yeah. in this group, I really did like the way that the uh, the film used the art to underscore the uh, basically the the socio political. Mm-hmm. Um, place in history where the dark-skinned person existed in the 18th century, you know, or previous to that. Um, And it did make, oh God, the actress was great. I just actually want to segue in and talk a little bit about the actress because I thought that her, um, Mabatha, I'm sorry, uh, Gugu Mabatha Ra, Mm -hmm. um, she's, and she's got a a limited, um, a limited uh, oeuvre. I guess. Filmography? Filmography. Uh, she's she's basically fairly new on the scene, although she's actually older than pretty much all of her castmates, other than the actual <laughs> old castmates who were playing, oh, you know, the earlier generation. She was born in 1983, which yeah. I know is not ancient to us, but, you know, in terms of Hollywood, yes. <laughs> she might as well be an old, decrepit woman. Um, but she, uh, I love that one scene in the movie where she, she kind of, it gets to her finally, where she's not being mm. allowed to sit with the family when they have formal dinners with guests over. And she realizes, you know, it, the movie was heavy-handed in this way, but I think they were trying to do a shortcut, kind of explain, you know, in a very heavy-handed way why she was being excluded. But they sh- cut to a scene of her sitting in front of her mirror, mm-hmm. and she starts kind of beating her chest and, you know, mushing her face and crying. And I just love that. Yeah, I mean, you can that almost was actually... tell she, she would have pulled her skin off yeah, if she could yeah. have. And yeah. it was really powerful. This, this actress is really cool. Yeah, and I actually yeah. can't wait to see, you know, what else that... The roles that they give her that are you exactly. know on she, this on this level and that's interesting anyways sure. and Kendra with I was just gonna say she's really breaking out right yeah. now she just did a movie um beyond the light or behind the lights beyond the lights and it's about it's a current movie yeah, where she's a lights. she's a pop star who's being very manipulated mm-hmm. by producers and her mm-hmm. mother yeah. and all that Excellent. the other thing though I wanted to touch back on I agree that her mm-hmm. performance is really strong um, I wanted to go back to the art because mm-hmm. the other thing we should have mentioned is the whole reason that uh, I think that Dido captures uh, interest is because there is a surviving portrait of mm-hmm. her with her cousin who she was raised with. Um, and Dido, so the cousin is white and she is the the blonde Miffy, perfectly nice, but <laughs> Miffy in the movie. Elizabeth. But, but uh, Dido character. is shown... Uh, somewhat in a ex- secondary position. Well, yeah. in a secondary position, she's kind of she's standing sort of mm-hmm. behind her, but she's sort of slightly above the the, mm-hmm. the cousin. She's exoticized somewhat in that she has a turban and a little more artistic dress. But she's also, while the the sister is very conventionally, you know, sort of Mona Lisa smile. Dido you, has a lot of spirit in her character, face. Yeah. Character. She's doing yeah. a big smile. She's she's sort of in the middle of moving. So it's this really intriguing portrait that not only documents the fact that here is this woman of color who lived in British high society, but also clearly had a lot of spark and character to her. Yeah, and that's one of the things that as, you know, I'm doing my master's on um, kind of people who, the fashion of people that would be like Dido in in the 1780s or 1770s and 1780s in a a very broad sense. and I'm looking at this portrait and I'm thinking, God, I should have done my master's degree about the portrait because the portrait is so rich of, you know, with all these wonderful, you know, things that, that we can now as, as you know, modern people with, with our enlightened, quote unquote, enlightenedness, uh, look back on and critique in really fascinating ways. However, I think we're going to not talk so right. much about art history and I won't bore right. everyone to but I, But that. I do think, it, as mm-hmm. I think you've both hinted at, the, mm-hmm. that that portrait is, you know, why the movie was made, because it is different than the typical 
portrayals of black people in English and European art up until that point in that it's not this kind of token subservient other role it's still othered definitely especially the turban yes but it's not the little black boy little black girl off to the side it's it's almost equal but not really but it's closer it's a lot closer it's a lot closer and again the fact that she is the sort of the interesting face in the portrait and clearly the one you look at and go oh i want to learn more about her not mythy blonde yeah again that's another like that's not usual so this this movie is a way of you know oh who is that person let's make a story about her so again she is a real person let's make a story about her it seems like this movie is it takes some historical elements but it's clearly a bit of historical fiction so we've we've talked a little bit about the outline Kendra has some interesting information and done a little research about the um the historical background like what is in this movie historical fact and what is just kind of thrown together and mushed mushed around so i'll try to keep it quick so basically what is correct is that she existed she lived with this family uh she grew up she married john davinier um davinier her uh, (laughs) yes her um great uncle who was her guardian was the lord chief justice he did uh weigh in on the song case what is incorrect is this well first off little is known about her secondly um so nobody knows if she was in any way involved in the the song case secondly um the lord chief justice he did make a statement about slavery being odious etc but he made that in 1772 which is uh, 11 years before the song case which is 1783 um and he did say it's odious um and essentially slavery doesn't exist in English common law because there would need to be a quote-unquote positive law, meaning a law actually saying slavery exists as a legal thing. However, he cushioned that by saying that only applies to this particular case. Um, With the Song case, he actually sent it back to a lower court. He didn't make any grand statement on it. And the one other thing that um, is incorrect is that Jean de Vignier was not a British parson's son who became a oh, yeah. uh, abolitionist. He was a French Frenchman. He was a gentleman's <laughs> steward. Uh, they married in 1793, which is 10 years after the Zong case. And unfortunately, I don't know whether or not what he did after they married. Mm-hmm. So they seem like very average people in real life, yes, honestly, yeah. instead of this grand, you know, yeah. high, high emotion romance that they portray in right. the film and, and all these high ideals yeah. that the two of the characters really the get into. The moon is going to explode yeah. and we're falling in love. Exactly. Yeah. Literally everything was about ready to crumble around their ears. And that was actually one of the things about the movie itself that I felt was a little ridiculous is because I looked at it like the, the two, the two main characters or the two characters that were in love. I'm talking about Dido and de Vignier. and as their love story is progressing they're bonding over their shared ideals and passions about changing the world big and fat idealism boner i know yes! major idealism Ooh. boner but that's fine but what was really interesting was they were playing it as though the um uh lord mulberry whatever his name uh the lord chief justice lord chief justice yeah, the, uncle, the uncle the uncle who's the guardian of dido um slash bell um <laughs> yeah. they uh they play it off as though you 
you're not going to know how he's going to really rule oh, right. on this, you know, on the Zong case. Will you? And, and I'm watching it the whole time, and I'm like, it looks like a bunch of, like, two 16-year-olds freaking out <laughs> about, like, something they built up in their minds, and they have absolutely no proof for. And at the very end, of course, the uncle is like, well, I was always going to totally say it was a piece of shit, and these guys are assholes and horrible people. Lord Mansfield, that's his name. Yeah. You know, that that's one yeah. of those. They, and, it's and, true. They were making it up to be like, oh, no, he's going to come down and say you're But all... you're watching the movie and you're like, that's nothing in this guy's character that says that yeah. that's what he's, he's actually going to do. He's not a dick. Do. No, he's always... But it wasn't... Yeah. In, in a way, it was an interesting <laughs> portrayal because, yeah. I mean, at one point he tells his wife that he loves Dido as though she were born of the two of them. Yeah. They were their own child. Yeah, it's beautiful And yet, scene. at the same time, he's kind of trying to shield her. And yeah. I think by shielding her, he's kind of trying to remind her of the limitations. Right. That yeah. she, so, so it is an interesting case. He's definitely, I mean, he's, he's clearly a very good guy. And yet... He's think, of the time that he... he yeah, yeah, so there, there is a little bit of play in that. Yeah. And, and they're clearly, at least in the movie, he is shown to ha be struggling with this decision that sure. he's not actually going to make in real life. And I think that, what Kendra just uh, touched on... The, the the conflict between, you know, caring for an individual person um, versus the strictures of the time. I mean, I think that's really the underlying uh, conflict oh, yeah. that really, you know, moves the movie more than will they or won't they vote against this thing? And that's, you know, that you bring up a really interesting point, Tristan, in the sense that that was one of the things that I found kind of obnoxious about the film was that they could have made the story about a woman of color fitting into society in and living eight, her life you know, and in 1780s her life. England yes. and how that works. And it would have been absolutely fascinating. There would yes. have been plenty of things to talk about, but building up this very, you know, dramatic, you know, highly, highly emotional, visceral argument against slavery and making it very much a, a statement piece. Um, I don't, I, I kind of wonder if it, maybe a little bit undermines Dido's so, life. So, uh, so there's you know, a question. Reality. So does it help or hinder to have this kind of almost political kind of statement thrown in that's whether or not it's historically accurate. We'll Chime in on the set. blog for sure. Yeah. We want to hear whether, your thoughts. So does, does throwing that in help or hinder versus just the simple fact of a woman of color in this time and period and negotiating life and love. I would think, that would have been a story enough? I feel like it had more chance of, of uh, being a big movie with the high drama. Because of course, I think yeah. of the whole yeah. idea yeah. of when you're watching or reading something. It's like every time I read any biography of Henry VIII, I want Henry to get smacked down. I want someone to sit him down and tell him, you're being a schmuck. But it never happens, of course. Um, and so I think that there is that desire. I think for people who are more interested in history, a more nuanced, quieter kind, not quieter, but not, oh my God, there's this big high drama, you know, thing coming up. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I know I would have, and, and granted, you know, we're not the typical moviegoers yes. of, you know, out there in the masses, but... I would have totally gone to see this movie if it had none of the, the high political drama aspect of it. I am very interested in seeing how a woman of color would have worked her worked herself into and around the strictures of a society in England in I the 17 I feel like 70s, it could have 1780s. been a, a BBC masterpiece theater piece um, that's, you know, maybe 
four hours, three or four hours along. That would have been awesome. That mm-hmm. was in, you know, had a story that maybe was a little more about her growing up mm-hmm. and then, then, you know, getting married or then, you know, how does she find a husband or does she need to or whatever and investigating that ditch the whole, you know, Zong. Uh, Zong. You can get that yeah, yeah we were watching the whole movie and anytime Zong was mentioned, <laughs> it's just a fun- Zong! It's a fun- it is Come it, on. kind of a funny word, but it's so, a very sad situation um, in reality. But so. yeah, it is sad, but it's a funny word. So we're 12. Oh, Sometimes. by the way, Miranda Richardson, yes. homegirl. Just yes. saying. Love um, Miranda Richardson. Oh, and she's in which, this, and she's This fabulous. is a good segue. They're every every actor in this has been in other things. They're awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a really Draco great Malfoy cast. is That's the, the other thing. Draco yes, Draco Malfoy, Malfoy plays to stereotype. Isab- Isabel Crawley from the Masterpiece Theater, or yes. from Downton Abbey, is, is um, the old Aunt spinster aunt. Yeah, Lady um, Mary. The, the woman of Lord Mansfield, what what is that actor's name? He's been I, in I everything. Know. And and um the his wife who was in Cranford and like um, Aristocrats, Aristocrats and Gosford Park. Gosford, Gosford Park. Park. She's, Which um, we oh, are gonna oh, do someday. She was she was Dolores Umbridge. No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. No, wasn't no she, she wasn't. No. Okay, no. she was well she was no. in she was in Cranford, and I, one of those women in Cranford was, in, was Umbridge. Anyway, okay. she's in everything. Everybody's well, in everything in okay. this movie. Let me back up one thing, one more thing to the the ethnic and racial issues, one thing we were debating was to what degree the movie uh, showed versus telled. Uh, Telled? Told. 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 Yes. And I was going to say way back when we were discussing the art and Dido, looking at the art showing people uh, of African descent, blah, blah, blah. That was one of the things I thought that the movie successfully did show, not tell. Mm -hmm. The problem was, and I think what you're saying about like a masterpiece theater, let's see her grow up. Yeah. One of the problems was, is we, we meet her when she's like six and then you fast forward like at least 10 years, if not more. And now yeah. she's ready, you know, of age to come out. And Mary, suddenly yeah. then she's learning, oh, I can't be, I can't have dinner with guests and things yes. like that. Like you think that wouldn't have come up before? Actually, you know? I will so, say, I will say, I think that they did, they did address that in the sense of, you know, she gets shocked when she's not allowed to join for a, a specific event that's going to happen. She has to, you know, you think... it, but she's, she looks shocked and then someone says to her, you know the rules. Okay, that's this true. is not a mystery to you. You know that was so, one of the few times. Yeah, yeah. But then there's another scene where I was when they go to London for the the white girl to come out and have her debut. Um, but, uh, Dido is going to be brushing her, she's brushing her hair and they have mm-hmm. a black servant at the house, not a slave, but a servant. And, and Dido's brushing her hair and the, the black servant's looking on going like, girl, you're not doing it right. And, and she gives her some help and, and I'm thinking, okay, she's this old, she's dealt with her hair. She obviously has African hair. She either, A, had maids at her at the house in the country to help her deal with this or she figured it out on herself she's she's this she's, old she's come up with something whether or not it's a great solution obviously they didn't have relaxers and shit yeah. in the 18th century or you know in her country house and she's suddenly in london and this is the first black woman she's ever met <laughs> yeah, which, which is possible if she's lived which is possible sure which is possible but this is the first black woman she's ever met who's suddenly telling her how to deal with her hair when she's you know 19 20 whatever Come on. I also want to interject I mean, about the, the you know, great the, bonding scene. I get that you're making a scene for the movie, but the reality part is like, whoa, not yeah. cool. One of the things about where she lived actually was in Hampstead, which you know yeah. is now incorporated into the city of London. Yeah. Itself. But, <laughs> so, I mean, she wasn't raised in like some backwater, like a million years away from London area. Um, yeah, and at the time, were... it would have been a, maybe an hour or two, you know, a carriage ride into London. And in fact, there's a lot of it where she's basically leaving and she's 
Of course, I think she's in London at that. No, point. that that's no, definitely that's like London. London. you could see that they could have been sheltered on so, their estate yeah, and I'm not sure, allowed to go sure. out right, right, because you're girl. But well, I still think she would have come up with a solution Something for her. For Whether her. or not it worked very well, but she certainly would have cared for her hair before. Yeah, or someone Because you're 19 and she's, just, she's and struggling she's like, with the hair brushing. This is oh, the first time you've brushed your hair. I've right. never brushed my hair Now that before, being said, I think we should also acknowledge though that hair care for people of African descent is often different oh, and totally. is a very loaded issue. It's so totally. I think that they were trying to actually, in a way, they were trying to reference something that a modern person of color might have gone oh yes, yes. finally finding someone who gets how to deal with my yes. hair and bonding about that so it no, have just, no I, that. I get they, i get yes. that for the movie's sake but i just feel like reality's sake like it's too late in your life here's yes. the other thing about the about the um, servant character i can't even remember if she was given a name I, she is um, but i don't remember yeah uh, she it, it was interesting of course that they create this little dynamic between her and dido with the hair brushing and then you get this sense of cons- they conspire yes. when dido needs to sneak out and and the servant is you know kind of hands are hanky yeah no all these things basically but they never really develop this relationship which would have also been an interesting thing to look Mm -hmm. at in the historical context of a woman who is who is of the aristocratic class such as dido was illegitimate though she was you know she was still an aristocratic woman raised in an aristocratic setting would not be palling around with the servants even though there's complicated nuances about yeah. skin color and race and all those things. Although, I think... But the, but the movie, the yeah. one thing about the movie, yeah. though, is that they dropped it. They just completely dropped yeah. it. She's in, she, they have this little bonding second, and then there's a couple of little, like, conspiracy seconds. I, I think, actually, that was yeah. one of the things that I think was... It was as treated as well as it could be for a movie Now, see, this length. is what my sister, and I'm going to give a shout-out to my sister, even though she never listens to this fucking podcast. <laughs> but the point is, my sister had this saying... Shut up. <laughs> Sarah and her shout out. Yeah, well, and yeah. a shout out to my sister. I was on radio, all right? Represent. Bitches. So my sister had this saying back, you know, when we were teenagers about what happened to the dog. So you watch a movie and there's a dog in the movie and the dog is a significant part of, you know, like running around with the main characters and then suddenly the dog disappears. And you're always wondering, like, what the fuck happened to the dog? At the I'm end of the worried movie, about the dog. I get very worried about that as well. Well, I feel that way about the servant girl. Now, <laughs> I, I, argue, I, no, I'm gonna argue first because the servant has at least three main scenes, and they're all in the when they live in London. And I think the servant is actually uh, uh, significant enough for a servant um, in this in this context. And I think she carries through with Belle. Her relationship with Belle is actually carried through, not in a she has one scene and she dropped. So she has the hairbrushing scene. She has um, another scene. Actually, no, she, I think she has three, four scenes. She has a number of scenes. She has a number she of scenes. She is there in a number. She's in there. She's never dropped. I but mean, she's not at the end of the movie. She, okay, Kendra. Nobody's at the end of the movie. Shut up, Kendra. She's married. The point, but the thing is, she's always in servant roles. It's not like the, and it's not what even the like the two of them are hanging out down in the kitchen talking shit. No, you're right. Well, she's, nobody's down with the kitchen hanging I know, but the shit. point is, it's not like Dido and she... I think the way Sarah was talking about it makes it sound like she and Dido were hanging out no. either in the house or outside of the house. And I think what it was is they had a moment of bonding. They continued to get along well. And yes, like the servant covers for her when Dido's sneaking out. But, and then I, I, my memory, and we, we kind of were, we were questioning what the servant hands Dido at the end in a handkerchief. And my memory now is that it's a notice that the, the Lord Chief Justice is going to um, 
make make, make render his decision. Yeah. So, so, but but I think they keep in a no servant. no that was Lady Mary that was after oh was the, it yeah after the okay sorry never mind scene. anyway the point I, is is the trying. the servant yeah. character is always in a servant role and yeah. so I, I think it's sufficient that's appropriate I think it's appropriate and I also think that is appropriate for the class level that they're at and it and it, it furthers I think the tension that Belle has as what role is she what class is she is she part of the family as this, you know, aristocratic class, or is she this mulatto middle ground, middle ground, you know, is she like other. the servant as the other, or is she, she's where not is a servant. she, she well, doesn't know. And she has, she can't eat with the servants. She can't eat with the family. Back to the whole thing where we were talking about, did they need to hook this story onto this big dramatic political issue? It makes me think of the recent production. It's a couple years old of Wuthering Heights where um, Heathcliff is played by a black actor. Mm. And I have to admit, uh, Tristan will hurt me, what but... What the fuck? When was yes, this one? a couple years ago. Um, I have a copy. Okay. You can come over I'm and watch it. I never have enjoyed Wuthering Heights. I tried to watch about half an episode. There was a lot of dirty hovels in the first episode, okay, at least. Was it just this one? Just this one. Okay, just that I one. didn't, I'll could not, it was like, don't we gonna ever about, get don't, past... Don't talk about Wuthering Heights like that in general. Okay. okay, all right. Tristan that, is very that, that's invested. serious business. The yeah. point is, I had a hard time getting into it, I but I think it one. is interesting. Now, of course, if they're going to put that into the role of Heathcliff, you've got to stay within the Wuthering Heights story, so it's more kind of like an unspoken level. They do but, say about, in the text of Wuthering Heights, that he is, like, black as a gypsy. So oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's in the literary thing, yeah, so. Okay, interesting. Not, can I, we can, don't know what that means. Can I yeah. That's a whole nother... Yeah, podcast. all the podcast. Yeah, we'll get into so that. So anyway, later. I just thought it was uh, an, that's a sort of alternative way. Wow, to we are do this. I want today. to, yeah, but interesting. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to actually dial this one back and talk about the actors a little bit. Who else appeared in or maybe this? Maybe even some of the costumes at some point. Yeah, maybe know? some of the costumes will happen. Um, I want to say that it was uh, the the uncle, um, Lord Mansfield, Mansfield was Mansfield. played by Tom Wilkinson, Thank you. who yes. has been in everything, everything. Been in everything. literally been in everything, literally. So he was in Selma most recently as President Lyndon B. Johnson of the Giant Penis. Uh, read your history. And the, and it's the pretty dirty, amazing. dirty, dirty mouth. God, he was a dirty motherfucker. <laughs> yes, he, uh, was. he was also... You think we swear. Yeah, seriously. Um, you know, it's interesting, too. He was also in the Kennedys, the miniseries The Kennedys. He played Joe Kennedy Sr. Yes, but what has he been in costume I'm life? just getting there, all right? British shit. Um, Sarah takes her time. Oh, oh, shut she's... up. I'm, I'm trying to edit her. John yeah, Adams. Why. He was in John Adams. He played Ben Franklin in John Adams. Yes, he did. Um, there's a costume. All right. Uh, you know, he's been in everything. He's he's basically a guy who has... He was in Stage Beauty. He was in Stage Beauty. There you go. There's another costume one. Uh, girl with a period... period uh, pearl earring. Girl with a period. Girl with a period. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm going backwards in his... Okay. His so thing. speaking oh. of um, he was him, he actually Ooh. had some amazing waistcoats. He was in Shakespeare in Love. Well, wait. I have one other thing I think we should talk about, and then we should transition okay. to the costumes. And that he was is in simply... Oscar and Lucinda. He's been in everything. <laughs> he's been in everything. I just thought we should further elaborate on the show, don't tell. Because he was talk- Mr. Yes. Dashwood in Sense and Thank Sensibility. You. That's yes. what he was. Okay. That's what he was. So, um, I think, because we talked about the thing that the, the movie successfully showed, not yes. told, which was the art, but now I want to talk about what they tell versus not show, yes. because uh, we all agreed that some of the dialogue was pretty heavy-handed. They had some clunky dialogue Majorly here and there. heavy-handed. And, and admittedly, though, I will, okay, so during the movie, I was just like... 
I was I was I was editing their dialogue as the writer amongst the bunch. I was just kind of like, um, because there is some really clunky dialogue, and it's in it, though. Luckily, it isn't in super crucial scenes, but a lot of it is in the kind of love interest kind of bullshit because they bond um, over politics, of course, and and a lot of it, and you know, and a lot of stuff with um, Elizabeth's side plot about who she's going to marry and blah blah blah. And I'm just thinking, you know, just do it. Don't just yeah. say, oh, I'm going to go talk to her now. Just go fucking talk to her now. And not even in that cute Jane Austen way where they're just kind of getting to it. No, it wasn't even cute. It was yeah. just kind of clunky and and heavy handed, heavy handed and and wooden. So it's not. I mean, it's not a perfect movie. They had a lot means. of very capable actors that were working with some very clunky dialogue and exposition. Well, yeah, and clearly, and again, but some of it was good. So I feel, I feel like clearly someone, and I don't know who, scriptwriter, yeah. producer, director, whatever, decided that writer, we yeah. needed to hit some notes pretty heavy for a yeah. modern audience. Yeah, and I think that they may have gonged those gongs a little too heavily. Yeah, but but some of it honestly wasn't even the like the race stuff. I think no, some of just... that was really some of the race part was was well done yeah. and, and again both for an audience modern audience and for those who have a grasp of history and all that i think it was pretty well done I, I, it's weird that you know some of the clunkiest parts were the kind of yeah romance historical romance part like really right. we it, don't know how to do that yet <laughs> this is the first time we've ever had to do it's this. 2013 have you not s- <laughs> Harken back to 1995. <laughs> There's a Jane Austen adaption where they just looked at each other and then did things, and it was good. And you didn't have to say, I'm going to look at you, and I'm going to do something. <laughs> and then I do it, you know? Maybe so. it's like um, when you're in basketball, and it's like it's kind of like, it's the opposite of follow-through. Yeah. You know, you throw the ball, yeah. and you're supposed to really curve or, your hand. Or it's like when you're playing pool, yeah. and you say, I'm going to bank the shot, and yeah. then I bank the shot. Like, right. No, just All fucking right. bank the shot. So now let's talk costumes. Costumes. Okay, so costumes were, um, I guess, Kendra, you know more about the costumes than, than most of us in terms well, of... Well, mostly... But well, my, they my, were a lot of recycled the costumes. The year was set so the versus year was, the year it was right. shown. So the year should be, we figured, the Zong case was decided in 1783, so, so it should be 1780 to 83. Uh, so my summary is the costumes were fabulous for 1765. <laughs> um, and I would rather that they did what they did, which was clearly go and rent, uh, costumes. Cause clearly there's a lot of, of dresses that have been identified on things like recycled movie costumes.com, uh, costumes that have been identified as coming from other movies like the 2005 Casanova with Heath Ledger and dangerous liaisons, um, Marie and, uh, Marie Antoinette. I would rather they do that and do it historically accurate than have gone with what they probably had a limited budget and then gone and, you know, made a bunch of crappy, not good stuff. So it's great if it was 15 years earlier. And you had some issues with the hair, too. Hair. Um, Well, yeah, the hair was at least 15 years earlier. Did the hair go with the clothes? Yes. Okay. Although there were some shitty wigs in the very final courtroom scene. Oh, the final oh, courtroom scene. There, was, was there were some great wigs. There's some there great were some ones. really shitty wigs. Yeah, a few people got a short end of the stick. So, so, so if we can say 
completely 15 years out of date beyond that that's okay well at least it's not 100 years it's not 100 years and there weren't zippers there wasn't back lacing. There was no back lacing. Yeah. Thank God. Tristan there, was very I was, that. you know, I kept looking because, you know, okay, Kendra was like, ooh, it shouldn't be for N4O pleaded for this year. And that's year. the thing. Kendra and, and I like, had an who argument. Who cares? It's not back lacing. People, let look, me, let me, no, let me, let me, minute, let me. One minute, one minute, mm. let me. We should be glad for what we don't have because we have seen what's really bad. So let's like, you know, let's be happy that, yeah. that now they can fuck it up, but still essentially be historically accurate. Yeah. They're just 15 if we're, years if we're nitpicking day. about the year, you know, you've got it good. Yes. So you two so have at it. One of the things <laughs> I wanted to say was that Kendra and I had a little, little, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. Back and forth about the on Faro pleading. Which, in, first of all, we have to in the late 1770s. Explain or what on Faro is. On Faro pleading is a modern term used yes. to describe something done in the 18th century that we don't. A probably, pleated back. Probably did not have a name that was um, a, a fitted dress, not a robe a la Francaise, but an anglaise. So a fitted dress with a waist seam and a separate skirt, except that the very center back of the bodice is pleated and cut in one with the skirt. And so it's probably maybe. Anywhere from two to four inches uh, of the very center back. Um, and again, yeah. Yeah, well, I... So we debated I, about whether or not that would be appropriate are, to 1780. There are examples. I am firm on this. There are examples. There of are not... examples, but it was out of fashion by then. Oh, shit. It's... Only if you're Marie Antoinette. Yeah, I'm... Okay. <laughs> it's not 17... It's 1783. There... You know what also has on furrow backs? What? Are the, um, the Levites. And the Levites are straight up 1780s. Yeah, but they weren't wearing Levites, and every dress had I'm it. I'm still saying they had... Except the Francaises. ...the pleated back. Anyway. They had it, sure, but not every dress. Was. Tristan is dying here. I think it's because we are... <laughs> I can't deal with you people! We are, Shut up! We're arguing about oh about God. the equivalent of, of should the button lint be... <laughs> the button, uh, belly button lint be yellow or marigold? Oh gray. So, belly button lint so, is always gray. So, Okay, come back to us, Tristan. Come back. So if if you if you listen to us or if you read our Snark Week stuff, you know there it was like big issues. Oh my God, they use zippers and they use back lacing and, and, and everything's hot glued on. And you know her neon boobs are colors out. and Nipple. their boobs and floating ruffs and shit. This is the minutia. Yes. So the fact that we're arguing about this says. The movie was very well Yeah, it's yeah. actually it pretty good. It was actually pretty gorgeous. So, so let's talk of, about specifics. One of the more egregious things actually might be the coloring, the color palette they use. So um, it, some gowns looked very bright. Like aniline dye bright, yeah. which would be a dye that like wasn't a, invented until like the 1860s. Like hot which pink. Tristan loved I every love. single one. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I know... Not historically accurate, but they're so pretty. Well, and the one thing, too, it looked like at least the version we were watching, which we had uh, TiVo'd off of HBO, uh, HBO, so it must be, you know. Who knows? Whatever, but it it definitely looked like the outdoor scenes, the contrast was popped a lot because, like, people's, like, blue eyes were like, holy shit, that person has blue eyes, and then they'd go inside and they just had normal eyes. So a lot of the clothes, you'd see them outside and be like, that's an intense color for the 18th century, and then they'd go inside and you'd be like, eh, it's borderline. Yeah, but so yeah, that hot pink dress. It was gorgeous, but I, it was borderline. Yeah, yeah and, if not. and I will say, too, though, that it, it seemed like they had a distinct color palette 
for the film, for the dresses that were not specifically recycled that we could tell. But um, even that, they within characters. Or the ones that they chose Within that were recycled. characters seem to have yeah, color like, palettes. Um, the, the aunt, Isabel Crawley, uh, from Down Abbey, um, <laughs> always wore these kind of dark purples and mauves. Whereas um, uh, the Lord Chief Justice's wife, so the mom figure, yeah, she, was always in kind of like rust colors. Yeah. Yeah, so they had a distinct color palette. And then the, the blonde Elizabeth, the cousin, was yeah, always in blues. blues. And then Belle, um, Belle was in... pinks and, and dark purples. pinks and purples. Oh, some beautiful Everything from colors. light pink through, through light lavenders. purples. Yeah. But yeah. Some, then some yeah. bright colors and in so, there. Yeah, and so, it, you know, while some of those colors were, pro- were definitely not historically accurate, they, they, they had a vision, obviously. Was, and, and they were well done. And they yeah. were well done. Oh, the yes. gowns themselves yes, were very great. nicely done. So they had a vision, they had a color palette, it was distinct and clear what they were doing. It wasn't just haphazard, ooh, we want neon green for somebody, and we want, you know, hot pink for somebody else, because it looks cool! And black pleather on all the men. Yes, yeah. totally. No, it, it wasn't random, so yeah. it, it was cohesive and it had a, had a real look to it. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Um, and some specific details, um, there were a lot of nice pleated stomachers mm-hmm. with like little narrow trims that were sort of snaking around yes. very serpentine and then a couple of dresses where it was a changeable silk and they had used uh, strips of the same fabric as trim and then fringed it so that you would get uh, a pop of a uh, coordinated color because it was one of the, th- the changeable colored threads um, I liked those in particular um, and there were some nice I don't know I'm always uh, it, is it damask? Is it brocade? It was whatever. I feel like those terms aren't always applied to the 18th century where they had like 5 million different names for different weaves, but patterned weave um, fabrics, like two colored, um, like Francaises, especially in the scene where they're at the outdoor event, which could have been like Vauxhall or yeah, something. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be Vauxhall. They called it Vauxhall. Okay. Yeah. Didn't yeah. seem elaborate enough for Vauxhall, they called it. but yeah. that's what yeah. they called it. I'll let them. I'll let them. I'll let it yeah. live. And also, Lord, what's his face? Mm-hmm. Um, the uncle um, had some really nice embroidered Mansfield. Um, Mansfield had some really nice embroidered waistcoats that looked straight out of the period, mm-hmm. like just because there were some close-ups with him, and you could see just really nice detailed embroidery on his waistcoats. Yeah, one of which is a, or no, it's not him. It's on no, Draco. It was on... a rewear from. Uh, it's Draco. Draco. It's Draco Malfoy. Hello, he's evil in the movie. character. Yeah. Poor guy, so typecast. Yeah. Um, and also, sure like I was noticing, some of the the hats had um, some the men's hats had really good trims on yeah. them. I will say Draco's wig. The one wig they poncy. gave him, but it was Ponzi. It, it was great. Super good. It was great. pretty good. Yeah. It was really good. It was, and actually, it was a bit later than the yeah. others. It was more mid 1770s, yeah. so he was yeah. slightly more. Uh, fashionable fashionable yeah. Um, made him stand out as yeah. a douchebag so the one yeah. other thing i would say is i was. felt like uh, the one other thing i would say uh, i just repeated myself sorry um is that while a decent number of the dresses had trim um a number of them was only like there was only trim on say the stomacher um and not on the the gown itself mm-hmm. or the petticoat mm-hmm. and and i've definitely seen a number of english dresses that look like that from the 1760s and so i think it's appropriate but i felt like when, like when they went to town maybe i guess that is actually when they had a bit more trims on the dresses they, yeah. but i guess i just felt like a few of them were a bit plain but not not yeah. a historical so favorite yeah. costumes can can we do the favorite costumes oh, easy, easy. so my favorite costume i'm just gonna i'm gonna take center court here because i've talked in like five minutes oh uh, see poor sarah <laughs> Sarah takes us all personally. I no, know. they just, they tell me I need to talk louder and then they just keep blah, blah, 
blah blah on either side of me. Yeah, so I shut she gets up. no shouts out. She gets nothing. Shut up. Yeah. Shout out to my homies. Oh, uh, she just bit in, my finger. In. Tristan's a biter. Uh, so my favorite costume in this piece would have to be the Brunswick that Dida wears when she's twice. sneaking out. She wears it actually about three, three times. times, I think. Multiple times. Multiple times. It's her sneaking out to visit uh, Zong Boy. Ba- yeah. Davinier. Davinier. John Davinier. <laughs> yeah, if you're English. Yeah. Um, she so, is. Well, yeah, he even pronounced it Davinier. Anyways, point is that it was she snuck out. It was her sneaking out dress, and it was very good. And didn't we think it that. It fit her really well. It had it nice, nice trim. Um, it was I a great color. Brunswick's. And I I really I like that. that the, the yeah. hood lining was a peach. It was. Nice. And so that had that. I love when. It was when, a very kind of gray, dove gray color. Yeah. But I love when lavender. people do that when they, they line something. And, nice. and there's that, that pop, that mm-hmm. sneaky and pop it, of it, color. And of course. Oops. And of course, the um, the the lining gives her, you know, it's more a glow around the glow face. Around yeah. Also, was that one of the costumes we thought might have been recycled from Dangerous it, Liaisons? Well, it, de- it well there is a Brunswick in Dangerous Liaisons okay, that Michelle well, Pfeiffer's character wears. I don't, I don't know if it's the it. same. I feel mm-hmm. like I've seen it somewhere before, but I wouldn't. We'll know look where. it up. And, and post there's it not later. many Brunswicks on out film. there. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, so if it was well, made for this say, movie, a Brunswick is a oh, yeah. traveling dress um, with a hood. Yeah, and so it's a hoodie. It's an 18th century hoodie. It yeah. has a hood um, sewn to the jacket part. It has long sleeves and generally comes up to the neck, but not always. Usually, like really dumpy. But this one looks. They really can cute. look dumpy. I think I want one. I have. Yeah. I made one. I know you did. I actually kind of like it. So every once in a while, then I decide I hate it, but generally I like it. I all right, like all right. Who's Fascinating. next? Favorite favorite costume, Kendra. <sighs> no, you go because I'm okay. not sure if I have it. Duh, the hot pink dress that Belle wears. It quote Vauxhall where she gets groped by um, Draco. Um, but it's, it's you know, yeah. Okay, especially in that scene and what we're watching, it looked totally, you know, the color looks inaccurate. But it's so gorgeous. Oh, it's my God. Such it's a Tristan such a Tristan Yes, it really is. It's hot pink. It's a, it's a, is it Frances? I think it's a Frances. Uh, no, it's not. It's no. not? I, think it's, I, I think it's a fitted. It's, it's a fitted, fitted, fitted yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just beautiful, and it's got great trim. I mean, everything she wears has great trim. It's got a beautiful, the stomacher has lots of little. Yeah, but that was the one that had the stomacher with the bow you thought was like a. No, that's not the one with yeah, the. Yeah, no, that's the one. Is that the one with the that's the, the one with the bow that you thought looked like it was a no, but it, but bow, it still has bow, it still has it. a lot of other crate trim mm-hmm. on it, like the the okay, ruching. Somebody went to town with ruching on on the the gowns and they the did fraying make. of yes, of, and the fraying. Uh, shot silk. It's very good. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I love the fabric they used on on like the ruchings and things. There's a lot of changeable. Uh, everybody's already mentioned this already. The, the, the changeable satins and things. And just, it's so, it's, oh, so pretty. So pretty. I don't know I if I can it. pick, I don't know that I can pick a favorite dress because I felt like there was a lot of sameness and not, not in a bad way. They just tend to blur together. I actually, I agree from a modern perspective that hot pink one was great. And I definitely like the, the, the Brunswick that Sarah talked about. Um, it's tough. I think I liked in general Belle's dresses because that's my color palette as well as the mom character who's not mom, it's great aunt, but the, the those rust colors are also me, so I gravitated she wear, towards uh she wore a green gown. It did looked she? it looked like a dark olive color, but mm-hmm. it was definitely yeah. a green. I'm surprised you didn't I, like I don't I know to, if any say, of them st- actually those are the two yeah. ones that stand out to me, the hot pink and the Brunswick. And and all the purples. There were so many beautiful there's some stripy purples. There the dress it was a purple. Oh, she had a lavender dress. striped dress. It was, was where um, Belle accepted the proposal from the brother of, of Draco. Um, the blondie who we know we know from something. Yeah, he's in things. 
He's um, in things. He's in things. stuff. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Movies and, and pictures. Yeah. Yes. And um, it's a really beautiful dress. That one has beautiful, a beautiful stomacher as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stomacher There's game. really, really. Good stomacher game in this. Totally good stomachers. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you're looking to decorate a stomacher... Go for this movie. Actually, yeah. I will say, I want to say, actually, I think that that striped, that lavender striped one was when she rejects the proposal. And, no, and that was the close-up. at breakfast. And she, she... Well, she wears it several times. That's yeah. the thing. Here's yes. the other thing. They did a lot they, of wearing. They yeah. rewore dresses a As lot. As they would have. And, yes. that one, and that one actually Very did not... Accurate. That one did not have a stomacher. That one had the hook and eyes in the front. And we only saw that because there was a close-up when Lady Mary hands her something. Like Which a, I think was that a was notice. A, that yeah. was, no, that was a different dress. I, I'm All right. I think that's yeah. pink. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure? oh, oh my God. Pink. Lots oh, of pink. the pink room when <laughs> um, earlier in the movie, when they're at their country house, um, when they first meet the two brothers, the Draco and his, his nicer brother, um, Belle is in this first received in the pink room. And Belle's wearing a beautiful pink dress, pale pink, which is, you know, more historically accurate. And she's in this pink room, and it's just like pink on pink on pink. It's so pretty. It's candy. It's candy. It's it's. It was hearkening to that whole. Marie you know, it hit us. It hit us in the Marie Antoinette vibe. Yeah, it's macaron. It's great. Uh, so costumes that didn't work. I mean, mm. I think we've kind of hashed over some of the things that we had issues with. Mm. Some of the wigs were weird. The yeah. hairstyles on the women were a little out of date. Costumes were maybe. I, I more have to say though that even whatever's before. you know wrong is so minor because mm-hmm. it's not like you know it's it's again it's not there's oh there was one scene where you know somebody's i don't know if it's bell's dressing or elizabeth is dressing and they're lacing a corset i, I think one of you said oh it looks like you know hand done eyelids yeah i remember that yeah I mean, if, or, or even if they weren't hand done they were thread done right they weren't grommets yeah so thank you yeah so there's no there's none of those glaring things yeah. that we usually complain about yeah and and that's I really appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to sit, talk about the hair briefly. Sure. Um, in general, I liked the hair, and like I said, it, it's pretty appropriate to 1765-ish. Um, I would say um, maybe the backs of the women's uh, hair were fudged a little bit. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, and I thought the, um, the men's wigs were very good. I really liked uh, Lord Mansfield's wigs in particular, mm. Tom mm-hmm. Wilkinson. Um, you had these really great wigs. Um, you could tell they were a wig as appropriate with a nice um, widow's peak. And I liked he had, uh, at least on one of them, um, graduated size uh, side rolls or what would have been called buckles. So the side rolls, it would be biggest at the ear and then there would be three. And then as you went up the head, they would get a little smaller and a little smaller. So I liked that. Um, again, there were a few weird wigs in the court final court scene but there were a number where i went ooh. in particular there was one that was a cadigan or a club yes. in back which is where the back is sort of looped up on itself and i went ooh, nice cadigan so um definitely good things there i like draco malfoy's little poncy puff <laughs> on top again uh most of these earlier but they suited the the dress and the clothing uh, era I, I thought of one thing that, that I could complain about, and again, this is really nitpicking. We're having a stretch to, to complain about this. <laughs> there were no kittens, puppies, sheep, no, squirrels. No, thing. Oh, hold on. Uh, one <laughs> no critters. Thing, Kendra, uh, Kendra protests. Yes. But one uh, costume thing is Capybaras. that Elizabeth uh, occasionally had very modern makeup. Elizabeth being oh, the co- Belle's the blonde, cousin, the, the blonde. blonde. She sometimes had very modern makeup. 
They went a little heavy-handed on, a the, little on heavy the lipstick. lipstick and yeah. eyeshadow. And it didn't bug me. Because I, I felt yeah, like yeah. they kept, especially with the eyes, yeah. they kept it very neutral. But and I'm lip- so used to that now. Maybe Kendra's... You look at any modern, the lead actress yeah. in any costume movie, and she's wearing neutrals on her eye. She's yeah. wearing eyeshadow. Well, I'm not yeah. talking about eyeshadow. I'm but talking was, about the, was the, the, the red lipstick. It was, was the lipstick and, and some eyeliner. Yeah. And it was just, you know, it was... Okay, Sarah and I noticed. Okay, two out of three. didn't. But so again, we to, are nitpicking. Yes. So I wanted to mention, just as we're kind of wrapping up, I think, um, yeah. that uh, The Independent had a really clever headline for their article on Belle, which was, Belle, fil- film review, Pride and Prejudice in a Better Class of Costume Drama. So I think, no, I think they're referencing the 2005 oh. Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice yes. and Pigs. Pigs, yes. PP and P. Yes, definitely better than that. So um, I just thought that was pretty funny, but uh, but they you know generally this actually got pretty good reviews. It's pretty yeah. solidly mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah. respectable film. Um, I think we recommend it. I think we absolutely give it three yeah, thumbs yeah, up. Absolutely. I have a resource I want to share. Sure. So if you like the dresses in this um, film, which are again modernly the backs called on faro, but it's a fitted dress worn in the 1760s to 70s in England. Um, there is a great newish pattern um, from at the sign of the golden scissors. So it's at the sign of the golden scissors.com and it is their pattern for an English gown. And it is um, a really nice pattern with a wide range of sizes that really tries to approach the dress um, making as historically accurately as possible. So in addition to sort of um, having a little bit of draping involved, I think in the, the at least the center back mm-hmm. um, pleats, uh, and then the rest being pattern, whatever. Also, the instructions uh, tell you how to hand sew it in a historically accurate manner. If you're so, weird like that. If you're weird like sew. that, if you would like to nerd out to have a great pattern um, and then machine sew it, you, I'm sure you could. Uh, <laughs> Tristan gives a thumbs up to that. Um, but if you wanted uh, to know how to approach 18th century gown making from a historically accurate uh and you need Point something of view. to help you along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this pattern is um, really good. So it's, uh, again, it's a pattern for an 18th century English gown from 1760s to 70s. And you can find it at the sign of the golden scissors.com. And we'll have some more resources on our blog, which is frockflix.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Frockflix and on Twitter at Frockflix. So we hope to hear from you on all of those uh, forums. And if you have any questions, comments, feel free to uh, contact us on all those mediums. We really hope to get your feedback on this movie and on the rest of our podcasts. Um, Is there anything else you want to throw in uh, as we wrap up here? No, I think I'm good, actually. This was a a really good film. I think anyone who hasn't seen this should watch it and you'll enjoy it. All right, then. Well, well, they won't sign it. Sarah has to, <gasps> one last thing. All right, in no. honor of Miranda, Miranda Richardson, who is in this film, yes. I am going to evoke Queenie from awesome. Blackadder 2 and say, 